Hi, I'm Amber, also known as the Lone Star Keto Girl, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us, Michelle Dowker. She is a wellness strategist and a dietary and life coach. She has a an impressive educational background, which she'll talk about here in a minute. And she likes, uh, she's been focusing on uh, illnesses that we've kind of been uh, set aside because there are these invisible, strange things that sometimes are unexplainable, like endometriosis and uh, autoimmune issues. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. It, it's an honor. Uh, I follow Michelle, and um, she has so much great information out there about autoimmune issues and endometriosis. And I think a lot of people struggle with this, and um, that's why Michelle wants to get this information out there. So be sure to follow her. I will put all the information below, uh, and, and go ahead and subscribe while you're while you're here, hit that little subscribe button and then go follow <laughs> Michelle for sure. So Michelle, give us a, um, uh, your background. Tell us a little bit about um, all the degrees you have. I'm like so impressed. <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess I'll, I'll give you a little bit about my educational background and my story to kind of understand where I'm coming from. Um, so I guess it starts, I have um. I have a Bachelor of Science in Biomedical Science and a Master's of Science in Human Biology and Nutritional Science. So I was involved in medical knowledge, medical research, and I was kind of on the path to continue on with school to continue with medical research until I got sick. <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. so I was so sick <laughs> I couldn't continue on with school. Um, so that's kind of where the story starts. And this was about 20 years ago. <laughs> and um, after my first two degrees, I had to stop school and I just kept getting sicker and sicker. And I kept going back to the doctors and the doctors, first they kept doling out medications, right? Antibiotics for my constant sinus infections and painkillers and migraine medications for the killer migraines that were affecting my vision. They were... I was having a hard time functioning. I was exhausted. I was constantly in pain and nothing was working. And basically the doctors threw up their hands at one point and said, we don't know what's wrong with you. And I was getting my, my joints were, they were swelling up. My fingers were huge and swollen and red and painful. And I had taken a full-time job that required me to type all day and I could barely move my hands. <laughs> mm. Right. Something wasn't working and the doctors were just saying, well, you're just going to have to live with this, right? And That's frustrating. And unfortunately, a lot of people hear this. Yes. <laughs> I'm not the only one. And I didn't like that answer, <laughs> obviously. And so, you know, with, you know, my tendency for research, I went, you know what, I, I can't, I can't live like this. I need to find a solution. Um, and... I tried looking for answers and somebody, and bless their heart, thank you, I thank them, you know, up, down, left, right, and center for directing me to someone called a holistic, someone called a, a holistic nutritionist. And I'd never heard of one before, <laughs> right? And yeah. she told me to cut out gluten and dairy. Now, this was in 2003, right? So this was like way before these dietary changes were ever popular. And I told her she was nuts. <laughs> and she told me, just do it. Just do it. Just give it a try, honestly. And I did. And my sinus infections went away. My migraines went away. My hands cleared up. And wow. I went, okay, so there's something more to health than taking medications. What we put in our body every day, especially food-wise, makes a huge difference. And it opened up my entire perception and whole view of health. And it was now, you know, after that point, I felt better. So I was ready to go back to school. And I had stumbled upon um, naturopathic college. I discovered what naturopathic medicine was. And I decided to go back to school for another four years to be a naturopathic doctor. And because I wanted to help other people see what I had found for myself in terms of health and getting my health back. 
Um, and so I worked on the west coast of Canada in British Columbia for several years as a licensed naturopathic doctor. And then um, for family reasons, I ended up moving um, back to uh, the east part of Canada and I moved to Quebec. And um, during that time with the move and a whole bunch of things that happened all at once, um, there was a lot of stressors in my life. Um, I moved to a French part of Canada and I don't speak French very well. Um, and at the same time, my mom was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, so there was a lot going on all at once. And so this stress actually triggered me to become extremely sick. And so, um, I kept getting sicker and sicker. And so the gluten-free, dairy-free wasn't working for me anymore. <laughs> and um, I tried the autoimmune protocol, which is like a very strict version of the Paleolithic diet for autoimmune uh, conditions. And that wasn't really helping. It helped a little bit, but then it wasn't. <laughs> mm. And I went back to the doctors and they weren't any help, except they actually gave me some diagnoses they diagnosed me with endometriosis and an autoimmune condition called lichen planus. Uh, it, what? It's called lichen planus. Okay. It's a condition, it's a, an autoimmune condition that affects, um, it can affect your skin, it can affect the inside of your mouth. Oh. There's a few different ways that it can manifest. And um, looking back at my life, I realize I've had this condition since I was a child. Oh, wow. And it explains all the weird things that I had had all throughout my life ever since childhood. <laughs> um, yeah. And unfortunately, on average, with autoimmune conditions and endometriosis, it takes on average six to 11 years to get a diagnosis. Wow. Right? Because the symptoms are so, they can be so general at the beginning and they can look like other things and they might not come out in lab tests at, you know, at that point, because it takes a while for these symptoms sometimes to kind of, kind of create sort of like something that's detectable on lab tests. Right. But in the meantime, people are struggling with fatigue, mm -hmm. pain, right. Discomfort, bloating, brain fog, all of these things. I mean, I myself had these symptoms for 39 years. <laughs> Wow. Wow. And I had no clue. Wow. <laughs> but um, at that point in my life, I was, you know, I got these, these diagnoses, but then the doctors were like, well, there's not, not much we can do. Um, for the endometriosis, basically the doctor said, well, I can put you in, uh, in medical menopause, but that's pretty much the only thing I can do for you. Um, they didn't want to, they, Still kind of dealing with that. That's a whole other, a whole other uh, thing. But I guess where the endometriosis is located, they're going to have to remove a part of my intestine if they actually want to remove the endometriosis. Wow. So that's still something I'm dealing with. However, um, interesting. I've never actually shared that publicly before. So that's... Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, sharing my personal story has been kind of a bit of a struggle for me, but I'm I realizing understand. that I need to because too many women are struggling like I've struggled. And unfortunately, during this whole process, I was on AIP, the autoimmune protocol, and I wasn't, and I even went in, into uh, medical menopause for a while. Mm. So I understand what menopause feels like. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so fun. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> um, you know, but it wasn't helping. I wasn't feeling better. I was struggling. Actually, I was deteriorating. And I actually got to the point that for several months I was bed bound. Wow. Um, you know, just getting up to have a meal was like trying to climb the Himalayas. It was, it was awful. <laughs> mm. And, you know, the doctors were just like, it's just going to be a reality from now on. Oh. Yep. How many times have we heard that? <laughs> exactly. Right. And... I, I saw my life slipping away, <laughs> right? Yeah. All my hopes and dreams, my goals and desires. Like I was, mm. you know, laying there asking myself, is this, is this what I, I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life? And, you know, this was a valid question because, you know, I was part of many, I was and am part of many forums 
for women with endometriosis, and there's many, and autoimmune, and there's many, many women in these forums, and that's, you know, that's where they're at. And it's not fair, and it's no. terrible. I was lucky enough by happenstance. I got sent for colonoscopy. And for the colonoscopy prep, for three days, I had to follow a low residue diet. So, right, because you, they didn't want you to be eating fiber before the colonoscopy. Right. So the diet included eat only meat and white bread. But guess who doesn't eat bread? So I'm like, well, I guess I'm okay. just going to eat for three days. <laughs> and I thought that was the weirdest thing ever, right? But I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to eat meat for three days for this prep. And it was like this, like, dark cloud of heaviness just lifted off my body. And I felt great for those three days. Oh, wow. Right? From and a colonoscopy prep. Wow. Right? Even though I was doing this crap, this prep, which is not fun, I was still no. feeling great. <laughs> wow. And, and I went, wow, what is that? What is this? Is eating only meat. And I'm feeling, what? But it's such a, it's so against everything I learned in my 12 years of university education studying human health. Yeah. That after the colonoscopy, after the colonoscopy, I went back to eating the autoimmune protocol. Okay. And then I got worse again uh. and kept getting worse and kept getting worse. And this went on for several months. And during this time, I'm like reflecting back on those three days of feeling really well, eating only meat. And I went, is this a thing? Could this be a thing? And I went online to, and I typed in meat only diet. <laughs> and all of a sudden I found carnivore. Right? And then I found this whole community on Twitter <laughs> and I found Sean Baker, who was, you know, just the beginning of leading this movement. Yes. Right. And I started reading his stuff and I started reading all these other people and I'm like, okay, what? And then he was leading a 30 day challenge. He said, just try it for 30 days. And, you know, I, I spoke with my partner about it and I'm like, this is the weirdest thing ever. And he's like, yeah, you're right. But what do you have to lose? And I did. And within three days again, I was able to get out of bed in the morning and lead a whole day. And I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't bed bound anymore. And it shook my world. <laughs> well, well, Yeah. Wow. Right? <laughs> this is and, the most unique story of finding your way to carnivore that I've heard. And I've heard a lot because I do the interviews for the success stories. I know. So, isn't it random? And it's yeah. so now I know there's a lot of people in the low carb community that follow me, especially on Twitter, but I didn't find the low carb community first. I found the carnivore community first. Wow. Right. <laughs> Because of this whole colonoscopy experience. That's crazy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so now that I had this newfound energy, I'm like, all right, now that I've got this energy and some mental clarity, I've got to figure out what exactly is going on here. Because this is opposite to anything and everything that I've learned, right? Right? Oh, yeah. Fiber, vegetables. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And so I started to dive into um, scientific research. It's kind of a passion of mine to read journal articles because of my background as a master's. And I started to dive into rabbit holes. And diving into rabbit holes caused me to dive into more rabbit holes. And like these pieces of the puzzle start coming together. And yep, I, I get start, it. <laughs> right? <laughs> I get it. And I started to find out some information about endometriosis that, and autoimmune conditions that I've never learned in school, Wow! right? And that the medical community obviously never talks about, right? I've never been offered this information by a medical doctor. And it started to open my eyes to the fact that the way we're handling endometriosis and, the re and this is probably a reason why so many women are still suffering, even though they're going to the doctors for treatments and they're not working. Right. Right. One of the things I really realized is that the immune system 
is a huge piece of the puzzle, right? For both endometriosis and autoimmune and that they're actually connected by the immune system. And it, it, it changed my life and getting this information helped me heal my body. And, um, since then I've actually been able to reintroduce some foods. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us about that. That's I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. So, um, I've learned that healing my immune system and healing my gut because your gut, your, your intestines are kind of like the first line of defense of your immune system, right? And there's something called your intestinal barrier function. And it's kind of like the first kind of step in terms of how your body is going to react to things and how your immune system is going to react. And if your intestinal barrier function isn't working properly, if it's in active state, it should be in when it's balanced and working properly, it is in what's called homeostatic state, which means it's tolerant to things, right? So you eat food, you've got gut bacteria in your gut. When it's in tolerant state, your intestines aren't reacting to these things, right? And then so your, your intestines are calm, your immune system is calm. But if it's activated, if it's dysfunctional, then you're it actually starts the immune system in your intestines start reacting to everything. Right. Right. They even start reacting to your own gut bacteria, the stuff that's supposed to be in your intestine that's healthy, that helps everything. Well, if your intestines are actually activated in activated state, even that good bacteria can cause inflammation. Wow. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Right? Actually, kind of blew my mind a little bit. I just found this out about a month ago. Wow. <laughs> Never stop learning. <laughs> right? Well, I'm still putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. And I find as I continue into rabbit hole after rabbit hole, just how little we actually know. And just that's how the truth. Right? And yes. just how much there's still left to learn. And, you know, the more you learn, the more you realize that you're just never going to. There's never, I don't think there ever comes a point where any of us are ever going to stop say, okay, I've learned enough. I know everything. No. <laughs> well, you hope not because that's how you grow. That's how you change, how you evolve. So let's hope not. Yeah. I know I, I'm constantly researching. I, I got two books in yesterday, more books to read. I just find it so intriguing and, and you've got to keep learning. So yes. So important. Well, it's empowering too, right? It is very much so. Right. When you, when you learn about what's going on with your body and what's going on, um, you know, with your situation, you know, that gives you power and that gives you a feeling of control over yourself, over your health. And that's something, unfortunately, a lot of people, especially women with chronic il uh, illnesses like this, they feel like they don't have any control or power. Right. right. I get it. I get it. And actually studies show that, um, they were looking at different um, mindset types and personality traits. And they found that out of six different ones that they studied, there was one in particular that if a woman expressed this um, tendency to believe that they don't have control over their health situation, if they hold this belief, then they are significantly less likely to actually respond to any treatment that's given to them. Wow. Smart. Right? Powerful. <laughs> Powerful little thing we got there. Exactly. Yeah. That's actually, I mean, mindset is a huge piece of the puzzle that is often ignored. I agree. Yeah. It's the whole thing. It's like you said, it's a puzzle. So you have so many different pieces. It's not just this diet is extremely powerful and a huge piece of the puzzle, but there's other pieces too. Exactly. So. And I mean, that's the thing, especially with these conditions that I'm looking at both endometriosis and autoimmune conditions, you know, in the research, they're labeled as multifactorial conditions right? It's not just one thing that's contributing to the symptoms. There's hundreds of different biochemical reactions happening in the body that are contributing to all the different symptoms, right? And so there's a variety of factors involved that are actually contributing to why those reactions are happening. 
right? So it's never just going to be one thing that's going to help you get control over that, right? So unfortunately, I see a lot of people say, well, I tried this eating this one superfood, or I cut just one food out, or, you know, I tried this one, you know, I tried just taking like this one supplement, or, you know, if you just try one thing, the likelihood of you actually getting control of a multifactorial condition is really difficult. Got to kind of hit it from every angle possible, right? Makes sense, yes. And diet, like you mentioned, is a huge piece of the puzzle. Absolutely. (laughs) Biochemical information, right? So everything that we eat is biochemical information for all of the biochemical processes that happen in our body, right? And they get in all the nutrients that we absorb, those are all the precursors for all of the biochemical reactions that occur. Um, yeah, so that's a huge piece of the puzzle, but then there's other things as well, right? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, like stress. I was going to ask you about that in one of my questions, so go for it. (laughs) Um, and I know, I know we've kind of chatted on about this over social media, um, about the importance of stress, right? Yes. Especially right now. Goodness gracious. I mean, who isn't feeling stress? Not a whole lot of people. I'm I'm guessing. (laughs) It's, it's a stressful time for sure. Everybody. The unknown, the, the situations, yeah, the lack of human contact for some people. Yeah. It's stressful. And unfortunately studies show that stress has a huge impact on the immune system, how your body functions, your hormones, inflammation, right? So um, it's going to affect all of the systems in your body. And I mean, studies do show that for both, you know, what I'm studying with autoimmune and endometriosis, it not only can trigger conditions, but make them worse and progress, Mm. right? 86% of um, the one study I was looking at, they were looking at adults with adult onset autoimmune symptoms and 86% of those individuals were able to recount a stressful event that occurred just before the symptoms started. Wow. Right. That's huge. That's huge. That is huge. But stress is, is a killer. I mean, it can affect your weight. I I literally, my hair shocked white over health issues and the stress from it. I like within days, my hair, when it grew grew out was all white. So stress makes a difference. So I could very much see how it would affect uh, autoimmune and endometriosis type situations. Not good. Um, absolutely. And like you said, it affects so many other things. It can affect, um, you know, it can affect your weight. It can affect your hormones. It can affect your uh, cardiovascular health. Like there's yeah. so many things that, uh, and all of these things are major issues in our society. Definitely. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, even though, and this is the thing though, I mean, even though we live in a stressful world, we can learn ways to manage how our nervous system responds to stress and how we respond to stress. And that in turn is going to affect your health and your body physiology. That was a, another one of my questions, because I know you're kind of big into this. Um, can you elaborate a little bit of what we can do to help control a su- stressful situation? What, what, are, what do you suggest? Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, this is kind of like, this is the important piece of the puzzle that makes everything work better, I think. In my experience, when I work with clients, I use a triad method approach, right? So we work on the diet and then we use some natural supplements to support the immune system and to support your gut health. And um, sometimes I also include help with uh, my colleague, Dr. Jay Wrigley. Um, to my help. doctor. <laughs> yes, he's great, hey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's an expert at women's hormones. So, you know, anybody I work with that needs that hormone support, you know, with PCOS, um, with, um, you know, menopausal symptoms, with, um, right? With thyroid conditions, um, then he comes in to help out with that. And so those are the first two pieces of the triad method, the diet, the supplements. But then the third piece I find is like the secret sauce that makes everything else work better. And that's the stress management in the mindset. 
And um, so I have kind of like a twofold approach to addressing stress management and mindset. And the first step is to start to train your nervous system to calm down. So we have our nervous system has kind of two, to, to put it simply and basically, um, there's two kind of ways, uh, systems that your nervous system could be in. It could be in what's called the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest mode. That's where we should be more often than not, right? This is when we're in this mode, we have a good amount of blood flow to our digestive organs and our reproductive organs, right? And this is when we feel calm, when we are in this parasympathetic nervous system state. And then we have our sympathetic nervous system. That's the fight or flight mode, right? Yeah. That's like the mode that, you know, if a tiger comes into the room, that's going to be activated so that you can either fight back or run away. Right. Exactly. Um, and so when this nervous system is activated, it activates certain hormones and uh, precursors to shunt blood away from our digestive system and reproductive organs, because we don't need to be digesting and reproducing when we're fighting for our lives. Right. Yeah. So it, right. So our body tries to preserve that energy and moves that blood flow and nerve conduction to your large muscles, your heart and your lungs, right? So that you can fight back or run away. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, if you think about that, and then you think about, say, for example, digestive problems, right? Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. If you're stressed out all the time and you're in this sympathetic nervous system, this fight or flight response, you're not going to have adequate blood flow or nerve conduction to your digestive system. It's not going to work as well. <laughs> or if you're trying to get pregnant, if you're under chronic stress all the time, it's going to be a lot more difficult because it's the same thing. You're not getting what you need sent to, you know, the right places. So exactly. Right. And so it's a huge piece of the puzzle. In terms of learning how to, you know, in the first step of training your nervous system is figuring out how to get yourself from your sympathetic nervous system state to your parasympathetic nervous system state. And I mean, little bits here and there can be helpful, right? A little bit of stress here and there, a little bit of sympathetic nervous system. Sure. Activity, yeah. It can motivate you, get you to move, get right. you going, right? But the key is, is that after that sort of stressor is over, you should only be in that for a short period of time and you should be able to switch back over quickly. Right. And that's what animals do, right? They'll be in that parasympathetic nervous system state, but as soon as the threat is gone, they'll switch back over. And sometimes actually with animals, you might actually notice that they'll sometimes, I don't know if you know, you've heard about this, but sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll go into convulsions. They'll shake. Oh. And that's them actually getting off, getting off all like the hormonal responses and the huh. energy so that they can kind of like get out of that state and back into like a normal, regular black state again. Very interesting. Yeah. Kind of like blowing off steam, I guess, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A fast way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So... The first step in terms of kind of training your nervous system to get back into that parasympathetic nervous system state, I like to use um, what's called activating your vagus nerve. I was going to ask about that. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> or creating something called vagal tone. Yeah. Um, I guess you've probably seen me talk about this. Yes. Yes. I, I, I need to hear more because this is intriguing to me. Yeah. The vagus nerve is quite the nerve. Um, it's a really long nerve and a really important nerve. Now, the vagus nerve is responsible for the activation of this parasympathetic nervous system response. And so um, vagal tone, you can actually measure this. Um, the higher the vagal tone, um, you know, the more parasympathetic nervous system activity you're going to have. Now, vagal tone and vagus nerve activation is not only helpful to activate parasympathetic nervous system activity, that rest, rest or digest response, but it's also important in controlling inflammation. Hmm. 
And studies show that vagal tone can also help to control autoimmune symptoms. Right? Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And one study that I came across um, not too long ago, they were looking at, because right now I'm looking into the intestinal barrier function, right? That thing that I was talking about earlier. And there's lots of different immune cells in this intestinal barrier. There's one particular immune cell called macrophages, in particular a macrophage that's in the, in, in, um, in the muscle of the intestine. And now typically it should be in tolerant state, right? It should be tolerant of things, but when it's activated, what it does actually is it actually affects the motor neuron cells of the intestinal wall. And so what happens is if it's an activated state, it can actually impair intestinal movement, right? Oh. And so it can impair intestinal motility and gastric motility, and it can lead to things like gastroparesis, which oh. is a common thing that we can see with um, um, uh, autoimmune conditions. We can also see this a lot with diabetes, wow. right? And, um, you know, when your intestines don't work, when they're not moving properly, it can lead to a whole bunch of other things like small intestine bacterial overgrowth, which is a common thing I see as well with autoimmune and endometriosis. A lot of people that are struggling with like a lot of bloating, um, it can be a contributing factor, this small intestine bacterial overgrowth, a SIBO. But the cause for a lot of people is that their intestines aren't moving properly. It's not clearing things out. So going back to the macrophage, when it's activated, it can affect the motor neuron cells, causing the intestine not to move properly. Now, the study showed that if you activate the vagus nerve, it puts the macrophage back into tolerant state and improves intestinal motility because those motor neuron cells are able to regenerate and function properly again, right? So this vagus nerve is super. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How, how do we make it work? How do we, how do we slap it into yeah. gear? So, um, yeah, sorry if I went over your head with all no, that. No, no, it's great. <laughs> no, I love the science behind it. I think it's fascinating. And I'm taking currently taking a, a nutritional a certification. And mm -hmm. so it touches on some of, of the, the science part of it, which is the science is what I like. That was always my favorite subject. Nice. So no, I love it, especially human physiology. Fascinating. Interesting, right? So interesting. Yes. The body is definitely a fascinating thing. Yeah. And so obviously, um, you know, the question is, how do you activate the vagus nerve? And um, there's many ways that you can do it. Um, and then, you know, the more things that you do, the more, you know, the more helpful that is to create the vagal tone. Um, one of the first things that I like to suggest to people is actually deep breathing. Okay. Right? Because the diaphragm is a muscle that's in between your lungs and your stomach. And so it moves when we breathe. But unfortunately for a lot of us, especially when we're stressed out, we tend to do short, shallow breathing up here. I don't know yeah. if that sounds familiar to you or if you notice yourself doing that at all, Amber. When, when you're anxious and you're like, yeah, I can, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And so when you do short, shallow breathing up here, it kind of keeps you locked in stress mode. Makes sense. Yeah. And so when you actually tape deep breaths down to the base of your lungs, it stretches your diaphragm. And when your diaphragm stretches, it activates your vagus nerve. And then that helps all the things, right? <laughs> That's why they always say to take a deep breath, breathe in, breathe out, <laughs> take a minute. <laughs> and a lot of us, if we're not paying attention, especially, I mean, awareness, I always say awareness is always the first step to making positive change. If you don't notice. That's so true. And you don't know to do it differently. Yeah, right? So true. So very, very true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, you know, if you pay attention more commonly than not, especially if you do have a lot of stress in your life, you might actually notice, oh, wow, I am doing a lot of short, shallow breathing, right? And I'm going to pay attention to that now. <laughs> and it can be really helpful to, um, you know, check in regularly and make sure that you're taking a few minutes at least once a day to do some deep breathing 
And then also, if you are in a stressful situation, if you do feel stressed out, that is a very important time to use deep breathing as a tool, right? Excuse yourself from the situation. Go to the washroom if you need some privacy and take a couple of minutes just to do some deep breathing. Activate that vagus nerve. Activate your parasympathetic nervous system. Great advice. I mean, it's a simple and free thing. Right, right. You anywhere (laughs) to help you as a starting point to train your nervous system to switch into that rest and digest response. I think, you know, sometimes when something is so simple, people like, you know, tend to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you always hear, oh, take a deep breath and relax or whatever. And for me, I'm always like, don't you be telling me to take a deep breath. I'm mad right now or I'm whatever, you know, but it, it is true that if you would just kind of take a second and just kind of chill and take a few deep breaths, it's usually makes things a little better. I mean, it doesn't solve the issue, but, you know, it might make you feel a little better. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the first step. I have like a multi-step system to kind of like help people train their nervous systems to stay calm. And then activating the vagus nerve by deep breathing is definitely, you know, one is the very first step that I, that I suggest to people. Um, As well as gargling, singing, singing, and humming they've found can be helpful too, because there's the vagus (laughs) nerve. That's what I wanted to know about. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, those are great things. I mean, if you think about singing, that can be like a really great way to let off steam, put yourself into a better mood, calm yourself down. And actually they find that it's helpful because when you sing, you're activating the palate in the back of your throat Mm. and that can activate your vagus nerve too. And and it's kind of a joyous thing too. Like my granddaughter was over earlier and she was in a little bounce seat like thing that you hook on to the the door jam or the mm-hmm. the top of the thing whatever and i was singing her song she has specific songs she wants me to sing and it just does kind of everything just kind of and it makes you relax anyway because you're you're you know it's like a joyous thing yeah. i didn't realize that you know the actual physical part of it is, is helpful too. That, yeah, that's science behind it. Yeah, I like it. So sing your little nursery songs. I'm a little teapot. <laughs> okay. Oh, you froze there for a second. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Um, Technology is lovely until I is- know. I know. I know. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> um, yeah. So Activating the vagus nerve. Another thing that can be helpful for creating something called vagal tone is um, meditation, Mm. right? And so I like to suggest something called mindfulness meditation. And so what mindfulness is, is learning how to focus on the now, right? The present moment, what's going on right now? Because so often, especially when we're stressed, Oftentimes we're focused on future events, worries, what to do lists, right? To try to gain a sense of control over something that we don't necessarily feel in control of. Right. Does that sound? Yeah. And (laughs) um, the opposite of that, of that is focusing on the past, right? Past events, maybe to try to like make it better or, you know, fix it in some way. Right. And that's also a way of trying to control something that we don't feel in control of. But the problem is, is that right now where we are in this moment is the only moment that we can actually ever take action in. Right. And so that's the only moment that we can ever actually control with our actions. Right. I love that. Yeah. And so what happens though, is if your focus is over here on future worries, events, to-do lists, what ifs, or focusing on the past and, you know, how could I have done it differently? Our focus on the only moment we can actually control is limited. We have less focus on the only moment we can control. So we actually have less control. And what happens is our subconscious senses this and starts to think even more about the future or the past to try to regain that sense of control, which takes us even more out of the present moment, that only moment we can control, and it creates a vicious cycle. Well, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a common thing, right? It's so oh, yeah. common, especially in our society. And so I like to talk about mindfulness 
And mindfulness can be done in many different ways. And what mindfulness is, is actually just the practice of learning how to focus on now, right? What you're doing right now, what's going on right now? Because we so often don't. <laughs> True. <laughs> right? How many Guilty. times? Yeah. I mean, how many times have you driven your car or somewhere and you're so lost in thought that you get to your destination and you're like, how did I get there? right? Yep. Done that. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I like to teach people a little bit about this in terms of like how you can refocus where you're focusing so that you can actually be in control of what's happening right now, what you're doing right now. And that's actually going to help you to gain an overall sense of control over everything if you're actually focused on the here and now. Makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think so many of us just don't because we're, we're just too into it to really, like you said, be mindful of, of what, what you're actually thinking, doing, feeling. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, that brings up another point about like, you know, how we're feeling. Oftentimes we are like, you know, we don't like to sit with discomfort right? So we often kind of like we're trying to escape it, right? Which takes us even further away from actually what's going on right now. But that actually makes everything worse because then we become even more feeling out of control of the situation. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So one of the things um, out of many that I suggest in terms of, I like to call it training your mind, right? To start focusing more on the now. Much like you train your muscles to become stronger, you can train your mind to focus more. It's like to, to focus more on the present. And at first, it's kind of like, it's kind of like herding cats, right? You're trying uh -huh. to train your mind. It's like herding yeah. cats. They're going every which way. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> right? And so learning to wrangle in that mind and that focus to what's going on right now, it does take practice right? Kind of like yeah. working out a muscle. Sure. But, you know, you can start off small and have gains, right? When you're starting to work out, you can start with like a two pound weight and a three pound weight, then work up to a five pound weight. You can start with low reps, right? And slowly over time, you're going to start to build that and it's going to become easier, right? Definitely. Yeah. So I like to, um, one thing that I can suggest for your listeners as a starting point um, and one option out of many for learning mindfulness is there's plenty of guided mindfulness meditation apps out there. Um, and I usually suggest for people, if they're not used to uh, doing any type of meditation, start with a quick one, start with one or two minutes, right? The key is if you do it regularly for short periods of time, you're going to get better benefits then if you try to sit there for half an hour and you don't like it and you only end up doing it once, right? So even one, two minute meditations on a regular basis and then moving up to a five minute meditation, you're training your mind on a regular basis to get your focus back onto the now. And the other point to that is there's so many apps out there. If you don't like one, try a different one because, you know, the someone's tone of so voice, true. music, their approach, you know, you might like it, you might not. So try a different one if you don't like it and you'll keep trying until you find one that fits. Yeah. Right? I, I, I know I personally struggle with that. For some reason, I'm just not one of these people who, who can do the relaxed thing, the meditate, the go to yoga class, those kind of things. I'm yeah. like, give me Zumba. I got to dance, you know, or I, I got to be like, I'm not going to lay down. I don't take naps. I don't, I, it, you know, I just have this, uh, I don't know. So it, it is a difficult struggle for me, but I know it's something I really need to implement. I keep saying that, but um, I really do need to do it. But. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's just finding a way that works best for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, one, uh, actually, here's a, here's a free bit of advice that can be helpful. I often uh, teach people something called the mundane task mindfulness activity. And so um, you pick it at exercise that you do daily anyways right? Because you're probably thinking about a thousand things when you're doing it, like brushing your teeth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? 
you're probably thinking about, well, what am I going to do today? What am I going to make? You know, yeah. what am I, you know, what's my to-do What do I need to do? <laughs> so the key with this practice is, you know, it doesn't take any extra time in the day. All you're doing is refocusing where you're putting your focus when you're doing, when you're brushing your teeth, right? So you're going to po- pay attention to the pressure that you're putting on your toothbrush, the sound of the toothbrush, the taste of the toothpaste, right? Even if it's just focusing on, okay, I'm brushing my teeth right now right? Just anything that has to do with the action of brushing your teeth instead of the thousand thoughts that are running through your head, right? And you're going to be like wrangling those thoughts back, like herding cats, but <laughs> over time you practice it every day and it's going to become easier. Yeah, I like that. That's a yeah. very simple, easy thing to implement if, if you do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you try it, let me know how it works. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I will. I was like, oh, guess what I, I focused on when I was blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's the first step in terms of training the nervous system or, you know, helping you with the stress management and mindset is training your nervous system, right? Activating the vagus nerve, um, calming your nervous system down, redirecting your focus to what's going on in the now. Now, the second part is what I call the mindset work. And so part of that has to do with we all have ways of seeing the world, right? Thinking about oh, yeah. right? responding to the world and responding to stress in life. And a lot of these are habits that we've developed from an early age in our developmental years, depending on what experiences we had when we were growing up, right? And we develop certain ways of thinking about things, of seeing things, of reacting to things, depending on those experiences so that we can survive those experiences however we needed to, right? Because life is always full of stressors, right? And um, sometimes, especially when we're young, we figure out ways to manage that to get through it. However, those ways might actually not be the most beneficial for us, especially once we get out of that situation and we're moved on into a new situation, but we've kind of kept those habits from the past. Right. Easy to do. And the ways of like perceiving the world and seeing things and thinking about things. And so we oftentimes we don't even realize, right. But it's those very things that are actually, that's actually kind of like the root of our stress responses and why stress is so difficult for some people and why it doesn't affect other people in the same way. And it kind of comes down to how they're thinking about life challenges, how they're viewing it and how they're responding to it. It comes down to the mindset about it all. Absolutely. And it's it's completely possible to change that and turn it around, transform it, improve it and make it So that the way you think about things and challenges in life and the way you respond to them are more productive. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I, you know, we see examples of this every day on social media (laughs) and you're like, Oh, that person really needs some stress management right there. (laughs) And I know there's times I need it too. So, you know, yeah, I mean, we've all, you know, we're all experiencing stress and we all respond to it in different ways. And of course, when you're seeing somebody else respond, we can't change other people. No. <laughs> right? There's absolutely no way we can change other people. The only thing we can do is change ourselves. Exactly. And here's the thing, though, is if you can do the work to change yourself and how you act and how you respond, how you respond to situations and how you respond to people can in turn influence how they end up responding to you. (laughs) That is very, very true. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And so in turn, you could actually potentially influence other people. You can't have the expectation that you will because it won't work with everybody, but you could potentially influence how, you know, other people are responding to you by how you respond to them. Hey, it's worth a try. (laughs) Right? Well, you know, that's just like smiling at somebody. You know, they could be in the worst mood and somebody smiles at you. And I know it affects me because I'm like, 
oh, hey, that was kind of nice, you know? <laughs> and so it does make a difference how you relate to other people and how you respond. The response is huge, I mean. Absolutely, yeah, right? Um, and then, you know, how you respond to the situation, because, I mean, there are things in life we can't change. Right. You know, and, you know, sometimes they're difficult things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how we react to that can make all the difference in terms of how our body responds and how the stress response in our body goes. And that's going to affect our physiology, right? And the more, say, for example, you're in a difficult situation and you try to fight against it, right? And it's, you know, I just posted about this today, actually. So I'm just thinking about my post. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, you know, kind of like, sometimes things don't go as expected. And the more we fight against it and try, you know, the more we're not in the present moment and we're thinking about how we want things to be, that's actually going to make everything worse. I'm guilty of that. I'll tell you, I'm guilty. Yeah. And I mean, not only can it make us emotionally feel worse because we're not in control of the situation, it feels more difficult. It feels like we're butting heads against it, but it actually can make how we perceive pain worse. Right. I believe it. And it can fuel the stress response that makes our symptoms worse. Right. It creates an inflammatory response. And so, yeah, it just makes everything worse. And so the more that we can learn to accept how things are unfolding as they are, even if it's not the way we wanted it to, and find the silver lining, whatever it might be, the learning lesson, some joy in whatever's happening, some gratitude in whatever is going on, even if it is an unpleasant situation, there's always something we can learn from it. That's and, true. Right? Oh, yeah. And if we can switch that perception over to looking at, okay, well, what can I learn from this so I can grow? What can I take from this that's positive in some way, even though this situation sucks, right? What can I have gratitude about in this moment? What optimism do I have that even though it's bad right now, things will shift and improve or change. It won't be exactly like this forever. And the more you can lean into that, like the sharp edges of the difficult situation will soften, right? And it will become easier to kind of get through that moment, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I, I think that message really needs to be heard right now. And mm -hmm. I, I was kind of thinking you might have posted that for me, but <laughs> just saying. No, I think a lot of people can relate to that, especially right now. I mean, as a collective, I mean, there's a lot that are just out, it's just out of our control. And so, yeah, I think what you had to say, go, go check out her uh, Instagram. She's got great stuff posted there. It's uh, well balanced. I'll put everything down below. So no worries, but um, her posts are really good. But the one today was, was really, really good. And it, and it hit me for sure because I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like that was for me. Aw, it's good to know that actually, Amber, because honestly, when I post about mindset, I get the least interaction of any of the posts that I ever make. And I wonder if it's yeah. actually making an impact for anybody. <laughs> oh, well, you, see, that's the thing. You don't know. Just because you don't get a response or because yeah. somebody isn't active, you don't know who you're going to touch. I find that out daily because I'll have people, you know, contact me and I'm like, whoa, I had no clue you even knew I existed, much less got something from something I said because there was never any comments or posts or anything. So you never know. That's a good point. I, I thought it was a really good message personally. And then, right. you know, some people, they just scan through and they just grab something that, you know, they're focused on that particular day. Like, yeah. you know, somebody just got the diagnosis of in, endometriosis. When those come by, they're going to go, oh, whoa, and land on it. So you right. never know. You just yeah, never know. That's true. And I mean, that's the thing whether or not I get interaction on my posts, um, it's good to know that it's helpful in some way, um, yes, you know, whether yes. or not I get the interaction, because it is my mission to help women who are in the same situation I was. Oh, I, that's my right. mission too. I get it. I feel you. Yes. Right. Cause you don't want other people to suffer like you did 
because you know what it feels like. And even like I've always said, if I even had a, a enemy, I would not wish that on them, what I went through. So yeah. if I can do my part to, to keep somebody from having to deal with it or as long as I did, or even make just a little, little bit of a difference, it's all worth it to me. So I, I totally get you. Absolutely. It's very important. I mean, pay it forward is kind of the way I look at it. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've figured out how to get my life back and not only get my life back, but I realized that pretty for, you know, 39 years of my life, I was actually feeling pretty crappy, <laughs> even yeah. though I wasn't as sick as I was 20 years ago, I realize now that I'm healed that even those days that I thought I was feeling pretty good, I was actually feeling pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty awesome being on the other side, right? And then looking back, and, and I think that's kind of why I have really tried to change my message to, to not focus so much on like weight loss, but on health, because ultimately you don't really understand it until you're on the other side. Because mm -hmm. I, roll, I, I roll my eyes when people would say stuff like that, health as well, <laughs> okay, whatever. I just want to fit my size zero jeans, whatever. You know, so I get that mentality, but it, when you're on the other side, you realize how incredibly important it is and what it feels like. Absolutely. I think a lot of people have no clue because they've accepted it. And I hate this word of the new normal, but right. it's true. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to just live with it. Like the doctors no, tell you. No, there, no, no, no. It's not just, not. it's not just, you're getting older. It's not like. This exactly. Thing. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. I refuse to accept it. Refuse, refuse. And I want other people to stand up and refuse too. So Absolutely. I think, you know, by empowering people, and that's what you're doing by putting out the information you're doing, whether, you know, you get interaction or not, it yeah. is empowering. And, it, and it's making a difference for somebody. I'll promise you that. And that's, that's really what my mission is, is, you know, uh, I get it. Empowerment, um, because Actually, kind of like what you said about the weight loss, um, you know, I used to be more involved with weight loss, um, you know, before I kind of moved over to helping with endometriosis and autoimmune. Yes. And, you know, really what I found <laughs> through this experience was a more commonly than not, when someone is struggling to lose weight, it's because there's a problem underneath of it, a health issue underneath yes. of it, right? Yes. Inflammation and hormone imbalances are two of the biggest players here. Yes. Right. And so inflammation is caused by the immune system. And so these are really, this is the core issue. And, you know, it's not just about, you know, what do I eat to lose weight? It's about heal your immune system, reduce the inflammation, get your, your hormones into better balance. And when you and do yes, those things, yes. that's what's going to make you feel better. And yes. then as a side benefit, the weight that you're, that you, you're holding on to is going to naturally just come off. Exactly. It is, yes. <laughs> I cannot agree more. And that has been a, a, a you know, a, a progression for me. And, you know, at first it was all about the weight. I'll be honest. Every time I've started anything, it's always about the weight. But after living something and understanding and feeling and knowing the difference, just like with digestion, moving from keto to carnivore was so huge to me that, and I'm not dissing keto by any means. I think it's wonderful. I loved it, but I didn't realize how much I was affected by the fiber mm -hmm. in, in the plant foods until I stopped eating it. And that's not why I, I tried carnivore. It was like an experiment and I was going to see if I could get off my last blood pressure medication or, you know, whatever. But the biggest thing I noticed was my digestive issues went away. And this was something I had since I was like three years old, the gas, the constipation, pain, I'm talking pain that made, brought me to my knees pain. And it was because I always loved vegetables and plants. And so I ate a lot of that because I loved it. I'll, I'll admit it. I did. So I had no idea that it affected me that way. It, 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 and so, yes, you know, I mean, you just never know <laughs> until you're on that other side and then you're like, Wow. And that's the same people saying with like dairy. Uh, oh, dairy doesn't affect me. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Do you know? I'm not, I'm not dissing dairy either because I love dairy. I'm not dissing it. But <laughs> there are a lot of people who react to that. And you don't really fully understand that until you get off of it, see what it feels like, and then add it back in. And then you'll know.
But until then, this new normal, you don't really understand what it feels like to be completely healthy and and feel good all over. You know, it it is an amazing thing. So, and thank you so much for all you're doing because your posts are fantastic. And y'all seriously follow her. Like I said, it'll be down below, no problem. But um, we are about out of town, out of time, town. Um, You want to tell everybody where they can find you? Again, I'll put it below. But. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as Amber said, I'm on Instagram. I talk a lot about endometriosis and autoimmune there and how you can get better control using both diet and mindset work. Um, and I'm actually just starting to do more work as well on my Facebook profile and kind of posting about similar things, but slightly different in the same kind of topics. So you can follow me at both places. Um, Friend me, you know, feel free to friend me on um, my Facebook profile, Michelle Dowker. Um, And Amber will include the link there. And I I do have a website. Uh, It's in the process of being of a transformation at the moment, but my website is wellbalance.ca. Awesome. And I will put it all below and don't forget to subscribe and follow Michelle for sure. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, You had so many great things to say. And I think a message that people right now really need to hear. So I'm hoping that we get lots of people to watch so they can feel a little bit better. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me, Amber. It was fun. Yes, it was. It was great talking to you. I talk to you all the time on social media. So it's awesome face to face. It's great. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thanks, Michelle. And you have a wonderful day. You too.